Risky Britches is changing the way women shop for underwear. No more emergency runs to the store on laundry days or digging through piles of underwear to find something that you like. Instead, Frisky Britches sends two brand name panties straight to your door each month. As a woman who considers herself a full-time scumbag, I can say that this is an actually wonderful company and a great service, and you will thank me later. Go to Frisky Britches. They have your back when it comes to feeling your best, starting from the moment you put on your britches. Go to shopfriskybritches.com to get started, and you get 20% off your first month using the code GRACE. Welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep with me, Grace, and Helbig the First. Today we have an amazing comedian, actor, writer, and a punk band extraordinaire performer. John Ross Bowie is here with us. You know him from Speechless, you know him from The Big Bang Theory, and you're about to know a little bit more about his old school roots in the punk band Egghead. Get ready for this episode of Not Too Deep with John Ross Bowie. It's always fascinating for me to go on like the social media platforms of like the people that exist in, you know, traditional media and see like how they operate there. Because I myself have been doing it for so long and I still like my blood boils when I go online. I get like a a visceral reaction uh, and like a weird kind of um, chaos in my brain of like, how do I exist on social media? In what way should I use this? said platform for something. Yeah, that that whole idea of what we are platforming and what ideas we're putting forward mm-hmm. and, and you know our our own and others is uh daunting. Very daunting. Yeah. yeah. And mm. so I wonder like it must be kind of freeing to be able to act because then you get to like just kind of exist creatively without consequence. And then to like do something on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever it might be feels heavier than that. Well, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say without consequence. I mean, I am I'm occasionally personally called out for, you know, content of uh, of the things I'm working on. Um, and, um, and there is always that deflection of like, yeah, well, you want to actually talk to the writers. I'm a hired hand here. (laughs) I'm an independent contractor. Uh, it's not my, I just put up the drywall. Don't look at me. I'm not, I'm not designing the house. Um, but, um, so, so there is a, a certain degree of responsibility that I think previous generations of actors never knew from, you know, it's not like people were, you know, tweeting Sean Connery in the 60s and being like, your character is sexist. <laughs> can You're, you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> um, so, um, you know, there, there'll be something, uh, you know, will, especially on a show like like Speechless where where we're, we're tackling something that is um, not dealt with in television in general, but specifically not in comedy. Yeah. You know, we're going we're gonna to misstep now and again. We're going to use the wrong word or something. Sure. But I think it's, you learn as you go. And also I think it's a great, my, my mom uh, just recently retired, but she worked with special needs kids like for her an entire life. No kidding. Yeah. She was a teacher's assistant in a class with special needs kids. And so when I watched Speechless, I was very like, excited by the idea of not making it feel precious like not making it feel normal making it feel real making it feel like the way we all exist in the world and I thought that must have been a cool project for you to sign on to when you first heard about it that like cool let this is the first uh, entry into dialogue that is different than the way we've been talking about like kids with you know special needs before it was interesting because in like four Four pages into the pilot, there's a moment where um, where the the middle child tells his older brother, JJ, who uses a wheelchair, calls him a bully mm-hmm. um, because JJ is being a dick. And <laughs> um, and it was it was it's a throwaway line. He, yeah. looks like, he just looks down at him and goes, oh, bully. And I was like, wow, that's that's a whole new paradigm, isn't yeah. it? That's, uh, that's 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 brand new. We've not seen that before. Um, and it made me really, really want the job. Um, it, uh, yeah, I, I think the idea is just what you said to, to, to talk about it, but keep it from getting too precious. Yeah. Definitely keep it from getting too sentimental. Yeah. And, and at the same time, you know, be, you know, honest and respectful, but, but, recognize that you know he's a teenager before he's anything else oh yeah Yeah. he's a human being at the end of the day (laughs) like his brain and his needs and wants operate the same way that we all need and want things which i think is so cool about that show but also as a as a dad you have two kids yeah 
how old? They are 11 and 8. God bless. That seems intense. <laughs> it's intense. Yeah, it's intense. It's, uh, a, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So they're preteens. They are preteens, although, God, man, my 11 year old is in a rush to get there. She is. Oh, slam- I thought she was like literally rushing a sorority. And I was like, <laughs> why? How? Yeah, she's 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 rushing Tridel. Um, <laughs> I don't know. UCLA Fingers has crossed. like a new. Uh, <laughs> they um, no. She's just in terms of like uh, you know the odd door slam. Yeah. And uh, and the occasional um, no one is listening to me stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, that's that's happening already. And we. That's are, a fun soundtrack to live by it, every day. It is. It is. <laughs> uh, they're great kids. They really are great kids, and I adore them. But um, yeah, they they present, and they're completely. They're crazy in two different directions too, so it's not okay. like like oh both of our kids have the same issue. They're just like beep, beep, and they're <laughs> they're off in their own little camps, um, being uh, crazy in their own respective ways, and it's uh it's uh so you teaches deal a lot with, about patience. Yeah, yeah, you have to deal with all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't learn just one avenue. Um, do they think you're cool or lame for being an actor? Um, you know they I I think. That's one of the things they think is cool. They there do. are a okay. million things about me that they find lame. Sure. But the <laughs> the acting thing, um, I think they're pretty psyched about. Are they? And I think um It gives them cool credit by default. It might give them cool credit by default. I think they what the great thing about speechless is that I can as occasionally edgy as it is, I can still watch it with my kids. Yeah. Do so they watch stuff they that you're in? They do. I okay. mean not everything, but yeah, they 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 watch they watch Speechless. It is, honest to goodness, like they're really psyched when there's a new episode, which That's is a awesome. lovely feeling. You know, have they seen the episode of House of Lies where I suck on Kristen Bell's toes? No, they have not. <laughs> no, Give they have not. Time. They're preteens. Give them they time. They have not seen any of the work I've done for the Showtime channel. It's not, doesn't, I don't see what they would gain from that. Um, uh, uh, I call, I call Gillian Jacobs a, a cock whore on Netflix's love. None of their business. They don't need that. I mean, yeah. Uh, my so, dad has said things not filmed that uh, I don't need to know about. Precisely. Precisely. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I think for the moment they, uh, they think it's, it's, it's pretty interesting and, uh, they are, uh, they enjoy it. Yeah. I think it's cool. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Uh, are they friends or are they at like, uh, at oh, with each other? Yeah. Oh, um, the, the, the short answer is yes. Okay. Uh, as of this morning around seven forty, no, no, it's disastrous. It. Oh my God. It's I had minute to by minute. Them. It really is. <laughs> I think in the larger, I mean, there's plenty of times when, when my older girl, um, questions why we had a younger boy. Um, but <laughs> it's an, a, it's a personal attack that you and your wife did to her. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. No, she takes it very personally. It was, she seems to think it was rather vindictive and, uh-huh. and that's odd, but it's, it's mostly, uh, yeah, they, they get along. And when they don't see my wife and I are both only children. So As when children raising children. Yeah. yeah. So, so when I raise, so when we see these two kids fighting, we're just like, go away from each other, I guess. I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, when I talk to my mom about it, like, the fact that she raises young boys, like, blows my mind, that I'm like, how are you so of sound mind? Right. While also, your brain has to be so in tune with, like, how do we fix this? They are both upset, and we don't know what to do other than, like, animals separate them. So, you, so your your mom's got two, uh, you've got two younger brothers? I have an older brother and a younger brother. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm the middle child. Okay. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, no, it's intense. I And I don't know how you deal with it while being in the creative universe at the same time. Well, you can't really do both. You got to just be home and completely focused on that once in a great while. Um, I'll get a call from like a sitter saying like, Walter is doing blank. Can you deal with Walter? And I was like, put him on the phone. That's great. <laughs> I'm like, we're going to have to hold the role one second. <laughs> <laughs> I have a small fire to put out. Thank you so much. It's just, um, yeah, a tiny but, match. But they, um, uh, but yeah, I think by and large, it, my thing is I think they're going to really appreciate having each other as they get older. Oh, I, for I, sure. Yeah. My younger brother is two years younger, two and a half years younger than me. Okay. 
And yeah, we were at odds growing up. And then as adults, we become like really, really close friends. See, that's good to hear. And and that, so there's hope. That was the lawn game. You know, that's what <laughs> yeah. we were aiming for yeah. is, is something you like. Scheduled it accordingly. Yeah, they're about 27 <laughs> months apart. And, um, and you know, he's a big, dumb boy and he crashes into everything. And he's, and, um, and, and she is. Uh, that's his log line as a human. He's a big, dumb boy. On a number of levels, he really is. Um, uh, sweet kid, but just. Uh, Hulk smash and, <laughs> and he um so he's a lot and and but then again she's a lot and she like everyone's mom be like yeah pick your battles man yeah. you know he just farted on the couch we don't have to make this world war three <laughs> yeah. but if it's a fabric couch it absorbs the smell and it will never go away okay. so it's worth fighting for all right well uh, <laughs> i should go home and reupholster <laughs> okay you grew up in new york city I did. Born and raised. Uh, yeah, born in Queens. I uh, grew up in Manhattan. Born in Queens. Uh, and then you went to Ithaca College. I did. Which is outside of New York. To the tune of about five hours. But yeah. 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 A, yeah. I went to Ramapo College, which is in northern New Jersey, which is right. close to Ithaca. And I remember people transferred from my college to go to Ithaca because that was the step up from my Really? College. Yeah. You know how I found Ithaca? How? It was my senior year girlfriend's safety school. That's how Wait. I found Ithaca. <laughs> Okay. So, so much for Ramapo then, I guess. <laughs> Wait, so you're <laughs> which would have made Ramapo my safety school then, if we're if we're following this. Oh, what could have been? Uh, Wait, so, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you went to Ithaca because it was your high school girlfriend's? No, it's just how I discovered. Oh, no. that's how you I, found I, it. I just discovered it. I was like, what's what's Ithaca? And she, oh, it's this little school in uh, Central New York. Because yeah, that's what's my around there? Um, well, the thing is that Ithaca itself is awesome. The town is itself it? is actually. It's beautiful. I've never been. It's really, really gorgeous. Okay. It is really sorry. That's a that's a a off-use gorgeous. Pond. It's an off-use pond. Oh because yeah, there's gorges. A, yeah, there's a six-mile gorge that cuts through the People whole. People wore the t-shirts. Precisely. Yeah. I never did. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> but it is really. It is. It is a photogenic, beautiful autumn in Ithaca. Is just like you can't even believe you're near this level of of natural beauty, especially yeah. if you came if you grew up in Manhattan. Um, yeah. It's a really progressive town for a small town. Interesting. It um it had a um it had a socialist mayor for all four years that I was there uh, that ran who ran unopposed. <laughs> <laughs> really? Ben Nichols, and I don't mean like his name was Ben Nichols. Ben Nichols, and I I, oh, I don't I don't mean like did he tap dance on the side because that sounds like a Ben Nichols thing. <laughs> I know it does. No, he just um he he really um just tried to uh, um you know. Uh, Be good. Tax the tax the wealthy and uh, and and uh, keep businesses small in yeah. in downtown Ithaca. Um, I mean, he was a legitimate like ran on the socialist ticket. I'm not like using it like oh you know what the Democrats are they're all socialists. I mean the guy straight up ran as a wow. socialist and won twice. And he um, and so the town's got this. It's a real college town. I mean, you've got Ithaca College and you've got Cornell right across town. Right, because so, that was the thing. Wasn't there like a field party that happened between those two schools once a year? That's the mythology that I heard about Ithaca and Cornell is that there was some like big field in between these two colleges and that everyone would party in the field once a year. I, not, and that might have been just like a selling point for kids to go from Ramapo to Ithaca. Not, I don't not know. When, not when I was there. I, they, the, we hardly ever saw the Cornell students off campus, oh, really, because okay. they were really working very hard in the the Ithaca students were not. Okay. The Ithaca students were going downtown to see Blues Traveler. Yeah. At, um, yeah, I'll date myself. I'm class of 93. What's up? Uh, I mean, yeah, you guys are art students. You got to take in the culture. So it was this. Um, so, yeah, Ithaca is this beautiful town. And I guess I went because. Um, of the of the towns I went into, it was far enough away that I wouldn't be tempted just to like go back to New York every right, weekend. Because, I wanted to really push myself a little bit. And but get that's on my- like something that I think is very hard, uh, or I assume is very hard, of people that live in New York, you know, to get out of the city and in, engage in nature, trees, yeah, yeah. greenery, uh, slower pace of life, people that are slightly more considerate than other people. It was a massive adjustment. And I remember going up there at one time, again, this is, you know, 1989, but I remember calling, uh, trying to call my mom at one point um, and being told on the phone that all the outgoing circuits in the town were busy. And I, really? <laughs> and I was like, that's not a thing that happens. That's not. But, really? it, but it was, 
you know, I still have my issues with, you know, being a tightly wound New Yorker. But sure. if it hadn't been for four years in Ithaca, I think I'd be a disaster. I really? really? Oh, I think it slowed me down. Just a breath of fresh air. Just like a patience a, lesson. A deceleration mm-hmm. and a readjustment of priorities. Yeah. And it, was, and it was really crucial for me, I think. Also, you get to see people that exist outside of New York. Because New York, I feel like I, I lived there for a few years. That's where I met Jack in New York. And... we both grew up in Jersey. And so it's the pace of life and the, um, the fighting for space Mm -hmm. constantly Fighting for space. Yeah. Yeah, But like the subconscious fighting for space. Oh no, it's a constant struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you leave it, then you're like, (sighs) (laughs) what is breathing? (laughs) What does space mean? And like now you living in Los Angeles now for so long, like, uh, that must be also an adjustment. It has been, yeah, and I I really like it. Yeah, I you really do. Like LA a lot. Yeah, really? do you like LA? Do you like LA? It took me a second. I did sure. not like it at first because I was so accustomed to the pace of New York that when I got out here, I didn't trust people that actually wanted to know what was wrong. <laughs> like, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> that actually had yeah. concern at all. That I was just like, "What do you want from me? What do you want? What do you need?" Uh, but no, that's fascinating. Okay. They're just legitimately checking in, Grace. The, let, them, let them help you. I trust no one. I hear that. I, I still me, I carry all my bags with me at all times, everywhere. I don't leave anything in my car. I mi- Here's what I miss. I miss autumn in yeah, New York. Autumn yeah. in New York is pretty. I miss seasons, I yeah. miss the, uh, no, I don't miss seasons. You miss, you heard me wrong. I miss autumn. <laughs> okay, yes. I did four years in Ithaca. Fuck winter forever. <laughs> I miss the, yeah, the two weeks where the leaves look nice and everyone's okay with not picking up snow. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then when the snow is black by mid-February, oh, wait, yeah, you miss just, that? You miss getting that in your socks? Do you really? You're nostalgic for that, Woody Allen? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, right. I will not romanticize that place. I mean, I'm glad I'm from there. I'm, I did 30 years of my life there and, and that was great, but... Um, yeah, I like it out here. Kind of wish we weren't on fire quite as often as we are, Los True. Angeles and the environs, but I, I like it out yeah, here. Yeah, we sub snow for fire. Right. <laughs> uh, so it, it works out. Okay, the we're going to take a break in a second, but before we do, I wanted to ask you about, because you, from what I've heard, and maybe you've talked about this a million times over, and you don't have to if you don't want to, just that you worked at an office job for a several, long time. Several. Yeah. So what were the office jobs that you worked at before you got into like the groove of acting before you got into like. This is not a right before commercial break question. I mean, I, I worked in, I, I, well, I was temping, okay. but I was, a lot of these jobs were temp to permanent. So they were always like looking for, you know, listen, we've got some openings here if you want to check this out. So mm-hmm. I worked in publishing and advertising and pharmaceuticals and engineering and reinsurance and insurance. They're two different things. Consulting, accounting, um, television, loosely television production. Like I worked for the president program at WPIX. Um, but I did, I did a full time, like actual on the clock with benefits, um, at a very large consulting firm. Um, what does uh, that mean? What does consulting mean? Again, man, we are, you're trying to go into a break here. <laughs> no, I, uh, but I, I will say this, yeah. a lot of it's horseshit consulting. Yeah. And, um, but it basically is, they are a, a, uh, it's a partnership that goes to corporations and help and quote unquote helps their businesses run more smoothly. But nine times out of 10, that means they uh, restructure their human resources, which means they do mass layoffs. Got it. Yeah. So did, were any of those jobs something that you wanted upward mobility in? There were a couple where I thought about it. Really? And I was, I was at the consulting firm long enough to get a raise. Cause it sounds there. like you Bounced around a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You you tasted all the flavors of the rainbow yeah, in the, yeah. the temp uh, world. Uh, because my parents worked in offices and it okay. just, it kind of felt like I had a deep seated need to be an actor since when I was, I was a little kid, but it looked just so unstable. Right, right, Especially right. growing up in New York where you see, you don't right. just see the successful actors, you see the ones who are struggling and yep. you see, you know, that on my block, there are people who are, you know, scraping by. Sure. Who are on Broadway one year and are waiting tables the next. Yeah. And I think I, I looked to office work as a source of like, well, this is what grownups stability. do. This is stability. Yeah. And this is what it means to be an adult. Yeah. And um, 
it just eventually broke me like a twig. And I was like, I have to at least, I have to at least try <laughs> Wait, acting. You can't say it eventually broke you like a twig when you have a resume of 12,000 different temp jobs. That and seems then I like put a myself lo- back together. <laughs> it seems like you kept putting the twig back into a branch. I, know, <laughs> I did. I really did. No, you're not wrong. I kept going, well, maybe this is the one, maybe this yeah. is the job that I will like. And gosh, these are pretty offices and look at this view. And you know, you, you do, you tell yourself all number of things and I'm not knocking people who work in an office because I think it's, it's, you know, it's, they're the engine of the economy. I just was bad at it. Yeah. And, no, and same. I worked in an office for three months and I, I just, and then I went back to waiting tables cause I couldn't deal with fluorescent lighting. I couldn't deal with just like, I got upset by like the rules of the hours that I had to be there when I wasn't doing anything that was actually helping the company. And well, I, the, the looking busy part is really yeah, hard, which is acting in a way. Yes, you it know? is. No question. You were practicing acting. I really was. I really was. I'm like, Oh, there's typey, typey, typey. <laughs> Morning, yeah. Jill. Typing, typing, <laughs> typing. Because they're all named Jill. Yeah, no. All everyone in an office is named Jill. It's true. Just side that's, note. That's science. If you guys are applying for jobs at any point, you better be named Jill. <laughs> get ready. What was quickly the shortest job that you had temping, if you remember? Was there any that you were literally revolving door in and out? I got fired from a pharmaceutical company just for I, I just I don't even remember why I got fired. I was not, I was, I guess I was slacking <laughs> off or, or whatever. There wasn't any, there wasn't any like massive, uh, um, no like circumstance that happened. No, that- I just, I, I was bumping heads with my supervisor and like my whole deal was I was supposed to set up a meeting with all these executives and none of the executives knew who I was. So none of them returned my call. Uh-huh. So I was just in this cycle of like, I will set up the meeting when these people called me back and they're not calling me back. Right. Um, and so it became this whole, this whole cycle of thing. But I, I remember specifically at that time, the pharmaceutical company was had introduced a drug onto the market a heart medication okay. um, for older people who had angina and they um, were being investigated by the Justice Department because some people had died from from not from screwing up the dosage from taking two pills instead of one got it okay and if two is an overdose and one is the uh, proper dosage that's an unstable drug yeah, but but that's... so but they gave us this press release where they were like, here, you know, if you are contacted by any members of the media, here are the talking points. And one of the talking points was in, was you were allowed to say that, yes, one of the side effects of the drug, if improperly used, uh-huh. was total mortality. Total mortality. <laughs> Not half mortality. Total mortality. No, one-fourth mortality. No, total, 100%. 100%. Wow. <laughs> I've, and it was that kind of corporate newspeak that just eventually drove me out of my mind. Yeah, was Edgar Allan Poe writing these PR releases Orwell. for you? <laughs> God, would that it were Poe. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, one of the side effects is never more. Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Wow. I mean, but that's all giving you the experience and the tools and the tool chest of things that you can pull from in it your does. acting world now. And it does like, it, it, you know, it, it, sometimes it's really important to know what you don't want to do. Of I a thousand percent subscribe to that philosophy. And I, I'm also like... <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll meet an actor who's my age, uh-huh. who's my age, and <laughs> is like, oh, you Near know what? Near total mortality. Near total mortality. <laughs> I'm hovering around 60% right now. And, um, but I'll meet an actor my age who has to have wardrobe tie as tie for him. And I'm like, you've never worked in an office. <laughs> you've never worked in an office. You rank amateur. You have never worked in an office. Really? In fact, you've never even waited tables at someplace nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and it, it, it's it's like my one it's a little like this, trigger. This little trigger. It really yeah. is. This little like like bit of snobbery that comes through where I'm like, I'm with you though. That's I a, think a simple four in hand. You're in your forties. You should know this. I <laughs> am with you a thousand percent. I think that they should sub home ec for waiting tables at a Chili's in every high school, just so you in can learn about like every humans. MFA program. No high school. The, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we have more questions about, you know, just total mortality here on Not Too Deep. We'll be right back. This 
episode of Not Too Deep is brought to you by Body Boss. Squeezing in time for your family, work, and hitting the gym feels impossible, so something's got to give, and it's probably the gym. But Body Boss can help unlock your dream body with the great 12-week Body Boss workout program. Do it at home in just 24 minutes a day, three days a week. That's less than 90 minutes a week with no equipment and no subscription. Thanks to the hashtag boss effect or excess post-exercise oxygen consumption, you burn fat longer after your workout. Plus, with caring pro coaches and a free Facebook group of supportive kick-ass women, you are never alone. So try Body Boss with the special offer just for you listeners. Get 25% off the fitness guide at bodyboss.com slash grace. Order now and get free shipping and a money-back guarantee. This is the best deal ever. Get Body Boss for 25% off at bodyboss.com slash grace. 12 weeks from now, you'll thank yourself starting now. That's bodyboss.com slash grace. Not, not too deep. The birth Burst Sonic Toothbrush is the best oral care you'll ever buy. The Burst Sonic Toothbrush has built-in two-minute timer and is designed to make teeth whiter and brighter in just days. Burst is best known for its charcoal-infused super soft bristles. The charcoal removes surface stains and is antimicrobial, which helps keep the bristles hygienic for the lifetime of the brush head. It's proven to remove plaque and stains without damaging the enamel of your gums. Burst has the most powerful motor on the market and the longest battery life, with up to four weeks use on just one hour's charge. It's fantastic. They sent me one of these toothbrushes, and I absolutely love it. The built-in timer is an excellent little, like, accessory. Keeps you really in the know of how... Uh, slowly or quickly you're brushing your teeth so I highly recommend. Go to BurstOralCare.com to get your Burst Sonic toothbrush today and with the Burst subscription program you'll get a new replacement head every three months for just $6 each and if you use my code GRACE J-R-A-C-E, at checkout you'll get 10% off your order. That's BurstOralCare.com with code GRACE for 10% off. Don't miss out on this special offer. It's a great gift idea too. Just saying. Go to BurstOralCare.com and use code GRACE. Okay, we're talking a little bit about improv comedy, sketch comedy, UCB, etc. Um, I always love to hear because it just I think you know brings us closer together <laughs> about your worst comedy show experience. If oh there's one God. that comes to mind, oh, Jesus, I mean, I, I'm blessed that I have several. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I remember we would do. We had a show around the turn of the century. Uh-huh. You heard me. Um, Y2K? After you survived uh, Y2K? After we survived Y2K, <laughs> after the riots and the looting stopped, we had a show from like 99 to – fall 99 to fall 2001 called Feature Feature yeah. that was um, improvised movies at UC. It was a double feature of improvised movies. Improvised like, movies. Full movie. Full movies. You know, we fade in on and we were off – we would get a uh, – we'd get a song lyric – Got it. Um, for the suggestion, and that would give us sort of an image or whatever. And we were we would do, you know, we didn't pick the genre beforehand. We would stumble across stuff like you know we do like forties noir. We did a MGM musical. We we one time did a black exploitation film, and this was before smartphones. Thank God. Wow. And yeah. Cause yeah. I'm like that doesn't yeah. exist anywhere. Phew. Yeah. <laughs> the um, but it was a um, it was a it was a it was a really fun show, and it uh-huh. was a uh, crowd pleaser too. We'd sell out every night. It was Saturday nights at ten o'clock, and we yeah. would, it was kind of our thing. Anytime we took that show on the road, like if we went to an improv festival mm-hmm. or in Chicago or wherever, I just felt like we we just we were we did not have the home corn advantage, and yeah. we just shit the bed. It was just <laughs> never, particularly me. I remember specifically being like, I am having a bad show tonight. <laughs> This is not going well for John. And I know it's about the ensemble and the team, but it was still hard to not no. be like, wow, I am not, this is not going there well. There is an I in team and yeah. it's me. <laughs> um, it, um, and the cast was, uh, as my wife, Jamie Denbo, it was uh-huh. um, Rob Corddry and Brian Husky and Seth Morris and, and all these great people were, were in the show. Will Burson, Scott Armstrong, Dynamo, um, really, really strong people. We'd have, We'd have um, guys like Owen Burke guest with us sometimes. Yeah, but it was it would anytime we we took it off campus. Yeah, <laughs> we no, just really that's, died. And I we asked Thomas Milovich a little bit about this too, like with him traveling. That anytime you go, it's interesting to see where your sweet spots are in the country outside of New York. Yeah, uh, well, he does tons of him and Ben do that tour, and they yeah. they go everywhere everywhere but did you guys have a sweet spot outside of new york or was new york literally home court advantage and then we did not have a sweet spot out of okay, new york okay. 
no. <laughs> now, I will grant you, we did not do the extensive touring that Middle Ditch and Schwartz do, but we got out enough to know that, like, no place like home, no place like home. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it was really interesting. I, I I don't know if it was – there is something magical about a UCB audience. I will say this. I mean, they show up game. Yeah. And they, well, they show know- up interest, ready to experiment. And ready to have a good time. They come with a positive attitude, which is bizarre in New York that people show up with a positive attitude. But they're there because the one place. Yeah. But it's also it just fosters community. It fosters literally like we're all here together. We're doing this together. This exists for us right now, right here. And uh, that's what I I love so much about improv is like the the lack of smartphones, the lack of filming, the lack of, you know, watching it back like the existence and presence in the moment yeah that, and, but you still perform you and your wife still perform out here in LA? occasionally yeah occasionally um, you know again that you heard the thing about the two kids um but <laughs> yeah. we, we do uh the two chains yeah yeah <laughs> we um we do we do a two-person show called super married um that, super uh, married because um, we met doing improv right. um in uh, the fall of 98 uh-huh um taking our level two class with uh with amy poehler as our teacher never heard of her and uh she, she i think she waits tables um <laughs> the um actually armando was our was my level one armando really? Diaz, who founded the pit yeah yeah, yeah i got I, I got in it's like the one time in my life i could say i was kind of in on the ground floor yeah you know i'm late to the party on so many things but i i was kind of on the ground floor when ucb came to new york yeah that's incredible and so i got like all the big teachers, uh, either as teachers or as coaches at one point or another. That's amazing. Yeah. So it was, so I, I took with, um, Ian and both Matt's and Amy and, um, wow. and Ali, I took a sketch writing yeah. class with Ali and it was, yeah, it was, I, I got him monologuing and you guys taking notes occasionally. <laughs> I got some, I picked up some good, some good things yeah. from, from Ali's class. You got to um, start a business. He's not for everybody. Um, but, uh, he, um, so he, yeah. you and your wife doing improv now, do you guys have ground rules is there a safe word when it's like this is getting too real in a scene you're talking about something we haven't resolved as a couple it's really funny you ask this because we don't have a safe word but we have a convention that we we did she sprang on me one night and now we go back to it where we will be doing a scene and if it goes off the rails we will cut to the car after the show And we'll 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 put on we'll do the do the standard improv car with the two yeah, chairs down yeah. center, and we'll sit down and she'll be driving. And Wait, so she initiated this. She initiated this one time, okay. and, and because a scene had just gone, I don't remember how it had gone off the rails, but uh-huh. it had gone off the rails. Sure. And so we 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 hunkered down and we started doing the scene, and she's like, "So what the hell was that all about?" And, <laughs> and now it's a and now it's become a it, it killed and. It keeps killing it, and it's a convention we go yeah. back to when we do this show of like little check in, yeah. And we're just playing ourselves, and we're we're improvising the conversation and kind of hashing through what went right and what didn't go right. And you how, basically get to be the voice of the audience in like that him, moment. How may, yeah, exactly. And and but also ourselves because we're you yeah. know tireless self critics. And and uh, <laughs> you know how about how about you don't play my mom in a scene? How about you do how about how about we never do that again? You know, and it's it becomes this sort of um, uh, act break. Yeah. that we can introduce in to kind of get our footing again. That's um, so nice. So it's interesting. So we, we don't have a safe word. If we had a safe word, we wouldn't need the car scenes. <laughs> Got it. Well, so your wife is a genius, and I would love for you to ask her to be on my podcast when you go back home. I will. I will. Uh, no, that sounds very fun. It seems like to have a significant other that you get to play with and be ridiculous with and then also raise children with is kind of like It's a fun date night for us, too. We'll try to get really? like a, yeah. if we can get like a 730 slot at the UCB Whoa. and then catch dinner afterwards. Whoa. Because we're cashed by 10. So it's <laughs> pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sleep in. Yeah. Uh, okay. Here's a question. So. You recently made your stage debut with the play Laughter on the 23rd Floor. Yes. Okay. Like Uh, professional, like actual run of a play debut, yeah. Very impressive. Neil Simon um, wrote it in 1993. It's set in 1953. Yes. Um, Can you explain the plot to an 11-year-old? You know what TV is, right? Heard of it. So- 
back when TV was really early on, mm-hmm. early on in the days of TV, like before mommy and daddy were born, uh-huh. um, there was – actually, I'm going down. I'm going like seven now. <laughs> My 11-year-old is like, it's about the early days of television. My 11-year-old came and saw it. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's about the early days of TV. Uh, it is based on – Neil Simon used to write on a show called Your Show of Shows, which mm-hmm. was a, a hit the way we don't have hits anymore. Like if you were watching TV – Chances are you were watching your show of shows. Like right. Half the country that had TVs would have been watching Sid Caesar and your show of shows. Mm-hmm. And this is loosely based on his time on the writing staff uh, there. Um, and uh, so we were all playing um, comedy writers in the early 1950s with, you know, the specter of McCarthyism kind of looming over everything. And these traditional demands of TV executives to make the show less smart and more accessible. Mm. And um, it was interesting. It's, you know, it's, it's Neil Simon and it's not even one of the great Neil Simons maybe. So there's some corny stuff in it. And there's some jokes that were like, they were like dad jokes. Where sure. like, oh God, I'm really going to have to, you like, it was an effort to get these over the finish line. Sure. Some of these jokes, but, but it was interesting as sort of a timepiece. Um, of, and also, it must be interesting to do stage versus doing something like Big Bang Theory or doing, you know, just something. Well, stage and Big Bang Theory, I think that's an easy transition. Stage and Speechless are a bigger jump. But Big Bang Theory, you got an audience there. It's like there. a play, right? Yeah, you do yeah. a play. It's a play a week, you yeah. know. And you rehearse for a week and then you put it up in front of an audience mm-hmm. um, who are predisposed to dig you. No right. question. Sure. It's Big Bang Theory. But, you know, you you have to learn how to surf laughs and how to, you know, not cut other people off and have that sure. balance. So I think it did equip me ably for doing a Neil Simon play. Sure. Um, but, yeah, it's it's what's interesting versus – it really is just the physics of it. For TV, you're framed like this and right. you can act accordingly. For a play, there's people who are, you know, 300 feet away from you. Right. And you have to act so that they can read your emotions. Right. So you're trying to be real but you're also trying to be demonstrative at the same time. Yeah. And like where is the fine line between all of that? Which was really fun. Was fun. Oh, really fun. Really? Yeah, really fun to like play with it and like, oh. And we had a month rehearsal. We had like a professional theater schedule. So we had a, a five days a week rehearsal. And it's one of those plays where once everyone's out on stage, they just stay there. You know, there's yeah. not a lot of exits and entrances. We're just all out there. Yeah. So you would have two pages, three pages where you wouldn't speak, which is another great exercise. And like being a human being, existing. Just existing, <laughs> yeah. listening without taking focus. Um yeah, I, I yeah, being the best extra of all time, basically. And what was neat too is that the the people I was working with, we had this cast of of theater vets, some of whom had done Broadway. Yeah. And and it was I just got so much watching them listen to other people and just the 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 hard work that went into it was really a blast. Man. Well, it was fun. It was and, really fun. But that's how you know that it's hard work is that it looks effortless it looks easy it looks normal it looks like you haven't really done much rehearsal for it not knowing that you have put all these hours in you have put all this time and mental energy into all of this to make it look normal yeah i think by the time we got it up it was it was a really tightly wound machine and um would you do it again would you do more like stage stuff oh i'd love to really oh god i'd love to. is there a passion project you haven't done yet that you really want to get into Oh, God. Um, you know, there's classic plays I'd like to do. I'd love, you know, I'm, I'm aging into George from Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. You know, I'd love to <laughs> I'd love to play that. It's a three and a half hour play, but I'd, I'd love to do that. That'd be you know? very cool. Yeah, there, there's all sorts of, um, I, you know, I, I'd love to do Richard III. I slouch anyway. Let's do this. You know, I, I, you know my posture sucks. Let's, let's cash in, you know. <laughs> um, Double down. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I'd, I had a great time doing theater and I, I loved that I loved having a shitty no, uh, having a shitty show and knowing that tomorrow night I had another chance yeah oh yeah because it lives and dies within it, like 24 hours it really does I loved um it really is true what they say every audience is different yeah and did you have any standout audiences that just like they didn't know what they were buying tickets for and they showed up and this is like not for them oh yeah we had like some some it was interesting because because it is a 30 year old play that is set mm-hmm. 60 years ago. Yeah. Um, it is, it was the only time in my career, and I've said this before, but it is worth repeating. Um, it's the only time in my career I've ever looked out at the audience and been like, oh, they're really old. <laughs> we got this. We got this, guys. They are ours to lose. This is us. 
Because you know how, like, you'd like if you were doing a UCB show, you'd peek up like, oh, it's an older crowd tonight, guys. Let's uh, let's watch it out there. Let's yeah. tread lightly. Yeah, yeah, but if yeah. I'm going out there with a joke about how you know Lana Turner's super hot, or you know some reference to General MacArthur, I want an older audience yeah. there to catch. Yeah, they're in your pocket. They really are. And it was so there were some audiences that were just that remembered this shit. You know that had yeah. visceral. We were joking. There's this guy Jason Grazel who played um, the lead and um, the 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 Neil Simon proxy basically who narrates the play mm-hmm. and uh, he has a few moments where he has to talk about Senator McCarthy and the blacklist and we kept worrying that somebody in the audience was going to stand up and go you don't know you couldn't know kid that's my worry is that like someone's going to think that they're watching their own home movies and like shout out something very <laughs> you just have to rely on the social contract that people don't heckle at the theater you know yeah, I, I, but it was um <laughs> Uh, but it was really interesting. Like, so at intermission, it'd be like, so we had a real, uh, you don't know crowd out there. Didn't we? Tonight? Was, uh, they were in it though. They were digging it. They were digging it. They were old enough to remember, but they really enjoyed it. Oh. Um, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was a, a blast. It's a little like theater called the Gary Marshall theater in Burbank, uh-huh. Toluca Lake, if you want to get specific. And, sure. um, it's got a subscription base and it was um, like, a high, what is that? 120 seats, I think, that that theater. But that's like intimate and also feels like a full experience. Precisely. Yeah. Exactly that. It was intimate, but like we're doing a play. This is, yeah. I've got wardrobe and these are sets. And there's and, an audience, but yeah. it does feel like we're in it all together. And people had playbills. Oh, that's that's how you know it's theater. I had a playbill. I had a playbill for the first time in my career. That was great. That's it was super awesome. excited to have a playbill. Yeah, that's very cool. Okay, now I want to get from things that are very cool and sincere to guilty pleasures. Is there anything that you watch on TV that you listen to that you consider a guilty pleasure? Even though I don't like to call them guilty pleasures anymore, I like to call them just like things that I like. Look, I like with I, a sigh. Yeah, you know, I, I, I try not to put garbage in my head, you know, like I, oh, God I, bless. I, I try not to, <laughs> and I, I don't see the problem is I, I've got friends who watch. I watch got, all reality TV. I, I've, I've, I do a, put garbage in my head. A lot of smart people do. And a lot of smart people are able to watch it with a critical eye yeah. and not lose brain cells. And it isn't that I, maybe I just don't trust myself to like not just watch this and tune out or just get contemptuous or feel bad about humanity. Yeah, you can get upset and it makes, uh, it, it's a waste of time to be upset at it, which is what I've learned that just be kind of like, it's fascinating to me. Right, yeah. If I could get that anthropological distance, I'd be all in. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I can. I mean, uh, guilty pleasures, I, 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 I'm Grace, I'm 47, man. I gotta like what I like. Okay, so like what do you I watch? Like. What do you watch? Like, what do you, when you have free what time. I, what I watch, I, I have to say, like, the stuff I watch is, mm-hmm. is like the prestige, critically acclaimed shit. What okay. I listen to is all over the goddamn map. And there okay. are times where like for all of my punk and indie rock credentials, I need to hear scenes from an Italian restaurant by Bill Joel. <laughs> I need to hear about Brenda and Eddie and I need him to take seven and a half minutes to tell me about it. <laughs> and that's that's not cool. And I'll own that, but I don't uh-huh. give a shit. I saw him at the Hollywood Bowl a couple years ago. It was a great show. Um, it, it just... But you can you can have this criticism on music because you were in a band, right? I was in a punk rock band. I yeah. played house parties and like okay. squats. <laughs> I played a fucking squat in South Philly with stolen electricity. There's a guy who has a tattoo of my band on his ankle. Wait, I'm, are you- <laughs> I'm, I've slept on floors all up and down the East Coast. I'm punk as fuck. And you know what? Scenes from an Italian restaurant is a gorgeously. It's got three movements, Grace. It is a it is a piece. It has a fucking arc. I uh, I, I just want as my ringtone. I've played squats. I, I played squats. I played okay. a building in Philadelphia where people were not allowed to be living by the city and of you, Philadelphia. And so you had stolen electricity. They they would they had they were powering the amps by running cords out to the uh, street lamps where they had, they had jimmied open the bottom of the street lamps and like done okay, this so configuration. Okay, so what? Okay, okay. South Philly. The, I, I, yeah, I'm from across the bridge from Philadelphia. My parents still celebrating. Oh, the you, Eagles you're looking Super for an actual Bowl. address? I can't help you. There. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> I worked at the Dave and Buster's on uh, oh. Penn's Landing for a month. It was the worst experience that's of my life. The most gorgeous. That's like a gritty specific. Is what yes, that is. <laughs> it's, it's a sad specific. That that was my like. The uh, Dave and Buster's in Penn Landing. Yeah, it was really bad. But um, yeah, I got my I got my nose pierced. I got my, I got my hood <laughs> pierced on South Street. Like, oh, great. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I got penis pasta and a regrettable tattoo. Two on South Street. It's the worst street ever. And I was like, that's our Mardi Gras. But, <laughs> the uh okay, so give me the setup to your your punk band's name was Egghead. 
Sure. And <laughs> well, we were three kind of nerdy guys. We were like three guys who all had glasses and we decided to lean into it. So we all wore like matching outfits, like striped shirts or whatever. That's great. And, and we just were not great. So we decided to lean into that and just be kind of loud and fast. And we were still poppy. And what did you play? Bass. And you played bass. Bass and I sang half the songs. Okay. Um. So what was the lead into playing this squat that you mentioned? We were on a little tour of the East Coast and okay. there was a early days of the internet you know we're like this is would have been 97 napster yeah i might even been pre-napster a little girl I, yeah uh, i'm sorry so we were using girl. our that was incredibly condescending I'm no 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 i was still using my aol cds to yeah. get 15 free hours no it was so it would have been it would have been fr- via my aol account i, yeah. I would book <laughs> tours and you would find like there would be like message boards or um of people uh, wanting people to play yeah of like okay. little places like you know listen if you're going through this uh part of the country this guy throws house parties uh this guy is a promoter who does small shows um this guy is a bar who books punk bands on tuesday nights and- so this is like pre-craigslist and everything like that yeah but you would find it you know you you couldn't the big problem is that you still had to to text and we didn't have a cell phone but okay. we, you could use you could you could use the internet in so far as you could send somebody an email and be sure. like, hey, we're going to be coming through town mm-hmm. uh, this day. Do you have any openings? Do you know anybody who has an opening? And that's how you would book uh, a Got tour it. at this level, you know? And okay. we do it ourselves. It was really very No managers scrappy. involved. No, just it was mostly me, which is, by the way, if I'm like the logistic voice of your <laughs> band, you're fucked. But um, I'm not the – but we made it work. We got we got as far as Athens, Georgia, and then back up, uh, on, on uh, which is not nothing coming from New York City. No, that's, that's not, pretty impressive. But we would play like – you would you, we'd do some clubs, and we'd get on to like some, some punk bills at, at clubs in like, you know, Knoxville, okay. uh, Tennessee. But then you'd play – the really fun ones were like somebody would rent a hall in – suburban pennsylvania okay and they rent a pa and the bands would come in and whoever came the furthest would get the largest chunk of the door and it really? was and you know the further away we got from home the more money we made and oh, interesting. Uh, and we're talking like you know 90 bucks on a good night millions of dollars but millions of dollars yeah. and it gases <laughs> us up and we're off to the next place yeah, and if yeah. we eat at waffle house we're fine you know <laughs> um so so yeah it was this incredible sort of scrappy do-it-yourself experience that's um, so fun it was really fun you know it was a that's, young man's game sure. young man's game okay but I'm, I'm glad i had it but question for all the inquiring minds that want to know is egghead's music still available for people to listen to on the internet anywhere we did a reunion record um between the birth of my my two kids okay and you can find that on any streaming platform it's called egghead would like a few words with you that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. all and the it, best hits. And it uh not the well no, it's it's just an album. It wasn't like a co- compilation. It was stuff we hadn't recorded first off. The early stuff is not available streaming anywhere. Every once in a while somebody posted on YouTube. Uh-huh. But the 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 2009 record is our 2010? 2009 cuz it's before Walter was born. Okay. Um is um it's right there and it has um it has uh, my daughter can fuck up your daughter, which is uh which was our hit. Well, and our, dedicated our to your yeah. to your child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's very sentimental, very sweet. And with a <laughs> as a bonus track, uh-huh. the clean version, my daughter can mess up your daughter. Whoa, so you can listen to it edit. in front of your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, that's incredible. I'm gonna listen to that. We're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna get to the internet questions that have oh gosh. This really gives, informs me about a guest is when I seek out questions from the internet. Who, and they, who would bother to like well, post no, just, a question for John Ross Bowie no, 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 online? No, 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 no. <laughs> who just, has that much free time? Just the specifics that they want to know about you really allows me to know who you are as a person. To keep so, it fresh, uh-huh. I just skimmed. I didn't look very good. I, I, I didn't look very you closely didn't prep? at the responses. Okay, yeah. well, we'll be right back and you'll give some specific answers. Okay. Uh, we'll be right back with more Nuts or Deep. This episode of Not Too Deep is brought to you by Cafe Monster. For many of us, Jack, you know this all too well. The day doesn't start until we get that morning energy boost. I'm talking about coffee. Oh, you're talking about coffee. Coffee. And Uh now there's a new way to enjoy your daily cup of joe, thanks to Cafe Monster. Mm -hmm. It's available in vanilla, mocha, and salted caramel. Cafe Monster is shaking up the ready-to-drink coffee category with indulgent gourmet coffee that's only 190 calories. Not to mention with 150 milligrams of caffeine from coffee beans. B vitamins and coffee fruit extract, Cafe Monster offers a simplified energy blend that contains a third less sugar, 
than the leading national brand. In fact, it's 100 fewer calories per bottle than the competition, but you would never know it by tasting it. Instead, you get the same feel and flavor as your local coffee house without having to wait in line. That's my favorite part. The <laughs> lack of human interaction that has to happen <laughs> to get this caffeine into my body. Not to mention the flavors are... Oh, so delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the mocha, you told me to try the mocha. <sighs> the mocha is literally like chocolate milk. It is like chocolate milk, yeah. And it's, it's delicious. dangerously delicious. Yeah, guys, try it. Trust me, it's really good. <laughs> Cafe Monster, chill it down, shake it up, enjoy. Not, not too deep. Support for today's show comes from Rothy's. Rothy's shoes are stylish, sustainable, and comfortable enough for everyday wear anywhere. I wear flats all the time. I'm a tall lady, and these are some of the most comfortable, stylish little flats. I got ones that have like a little cute dress print going on because I'm very into animal prints on my feet and I can attest that they are so comfortable so stylish and oh so sustainable with three fashionable styles the flat the point and the loafer for women and girls and an amazing color and pattern selection that's always getting updated not to mention they're the softest shoe that you will put on your feet seriously you won't believe that they're made from recycled plastic water bottles I'm dead serious and a major added bonus they're machine washable because let's face it, our feet sweat, we get gross. I can attest to this. I'm a human walking garbage pile of trash. And these shoes make me feel beautiful. I love my Rothy's and I know you will too. Right now, Rothy's has an amazing deal for you beautiful listeners. Use code GRACE to get free shipping, no minimum. That's free shipping and free returns and exchanges on your Rothy's shoe when you go to Rothy's, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com and enter code GRACE. This is a no-brainer. Shoes that are comfortable, stylish, and sustainable, plus free shipping. Get yourself a pair today. Rothys.com. Promo code GRACE. Get this deal while it lasts. Okay, I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask every single guest that's on the podcast. And the first is, who, alive or dead, would you most want to throw cold spaghetti at? Uh, most want to throw cold spaghetti mm-hmm. at? Golly. Um... <laughs> You know, it's hard to say, but I'm going to go with young, young pre, pre-dementia Reagan. Oh, okay. Um, probably get him oh. while he's still governor of California and get him out of politics. While he remembers it. Yeah, while he remembers <laughs> it. And because I also just don't want to throw, you know throw spaghetti at someone who's going through that that's rough but sure. but someone who like <laughs> was at like a bifurcation point where like i could i could just be an amiable old character actor like fred mcmurray or uh-huh. i could just start fucking up the world because there's so much that's wrong right now that you can trace back to uh. the policies of reagan in the early 80s uh-huh. and um uh and i think his his political offspring i don't know how political you get on the show i know it's called not too deep but um i i feel like his political offspring uh are still doing damage and yeah. um uh yeah so that i i, I go with young reagan <laughs> i thought you were gonna say young sheldon so i'm <laughs> glad I, I, I got no beef i got no beef with young sheldon <laughs> i got no beef with young sheldon okay. bless their heart bless their heart he was single camera and then he went multi-camera when he when he got into his 30s i don't know how that happened but <laughs> uh, choices uh, okay the other question i ask every guest is tell us uh tell us your worst pants shitting story or close call but you can only use three words or small phrases or an intermix of the two. Mine, for example, is college jogging front lawn. One's a, one's a hyphenate? You can do whatever you want. You can no, do... I'm saying one word is a hyphenate. I'm warning you in advance. Got it. <laughs> Pan Am building <laughs> temping. Oh. <laughs> wow. Okay. So that was your quickest temp job. <laughs> yeah, that actually, that was only a couple of days. <laughs> and what I, I just threw out my underwear and raw dogged it for the rest of the day. <laughs> just, okay, I just is, c- commandoed it the rest of the day, wearing a- khakis, by the way. So there, but for the grace of God, but managed to keep it a secret. If, if they if they noticed, they didn't say anything. But disastrous. To be, to be fair, you are not the first person to tell me that they've had to throw out their underwear in the middle of New York City somewhere. Uh, that's the statistic I want in New York is how many times a day someone is having to cut themselves out of their own underwear and throw it in the garbage and just deal. Well, because you don't, you know, you, you have you, nothing. You have nothing, but you also pack for the day. Right. Yeah. You, you leave your house in the morning, you pack for the day. Right. But you, don't, but you just, you're never going to get home again. Right. Once you leave in the morning, unless you're super unemployed, you're just not going to go back. No, that's, I still carry bags and I still put extra clothes and extra things in my car as if like, what is the worst possible thing that could ha- 
happen to me today and leave me completely like on an island of one. And you have that lack. <laughs> you have that luxury in L.A. and you don't in New York. But yeah, no. I asked my Pete on the on the way to the um the it's now the MetLife building on top of Grand Central Station. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it used to be the Pan Am building. Uh, so I <laughs> so I managed to date myself in the story rather handsomely as well. And I wish I remember what the industry that I was temping in was. I don't oddly enough, which is not not like me. But I remember it was a very like I went in. It was a very yeah. like. A lot of oak in the offices, really beautiful, really. And I was like, um, yeah, I'm all set. Where's the restroom? Yeah. This is my workstation? Great. I'm going to be right back. <laughs> I'm going to leave my mark. Thank you for yes. having me. <laughs> okay, now we're going to get into these Twitter questions. Um, someone wants to know, what's the best way to awkwardly end a conversation? You shit your pants on the way to a temp job. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is actually pretty perfect. Um, and also, like, the other person can't tell you no. <laughs> you get out of the conversation. They have a story. Everybody wins. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so to know, how great does it feel being on Grace's podcast? Oh, that's a joke about the, the I know. Kripke speech impediment. Yeah. Okay. How was that for you? I'm off. I'm off the clock, guy. Listen. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I don't, but I don't do this. I don't. I didn't do the speech impediment for my. Do my people? Mom. Have you ever had anyone come up? To, I mean, I'm sure maybe you have. Have people come up and be like, "Do the voice"? Oh God, yes. Really? Oh God, I've, I've been asked to like leave. Uh, uh, I've been asked to. I did it once for charity. I, I sure. actually left an outgoing message for somebody on their voicemail. That's with very the, kind. Yeah, with, the, with the, the speech impediment. Yeah, people have asked me to do it, and I mean, I'm not a dick. I will, I will do it. And no, it's and, fine. Okay, and I also like to ask, like, what's your most awkward um, encounter with someone that's a fan or knows the show or knows something that you've been in or is obsessed with the band, etc. All right, I'll, I'm going to spare you the super duper details. Okay, and just I, the super I, details, please. I know please. the show's called Not Too Deep, but i got to go a little deep for a moment. Please. I lost my mom this past summer. And, I'm sorry. Uh, thank you. And it was a total shock. We did not see it coming. She was fine, and then she was not. She was gone. Okay. And it was, she totally, like, French exited, you know? Wow. And um, Irish goodbye. Yeah, and I, I went back to New York, and I was uh, – I met my – my cousin came in from from Jersey, actually. She mm -hmm. lives in, in – uh, she works in Newark. And um, she's like the closest thing I have to a sibling out there. And I was like, if you should come in, I need some help with yeah. some, you know, logistical stuff. She comes off the train at uh, at Penn Station, mm -hmm. and she's like, "What's up?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, it's a whole thing. Like, I gotta talk to the medical examiner's office, and it's gonna take. There's some stuff. It's gonna take a couple days to to uh, handle the." the identifying of the body and then i gotta once we get once that's identified then we can get a death certificate but we're not out of the woods we gotta take the death certificate out of the surrogate court surrogate court has to do uh has to vet me to make sure that i can have access to my mom's apartment which is Whoa. padlocked by the police right now so they have to make sure that i'm the only living heir or whatever i'm going into like these gnarly details and yeah. someone goes by and goes what's going on kripke oh my god yeah, I haven't told that story publicly yet. That's the first time I've told that story publicly. Um, and I, I, I looked at my cousin and I was like, "Should I tell them?" <laughs> you want to in uh, on this conversation? You, uh, funny you should ask. It's a, a lot is going on. We're at the padlock part of the conversation. Yeah, like yeah just because you know, because it could be anybody, right? So they gotta, they gotta, yeah, you know, hmm, probably dental records since you've asked. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, my it was, god! It was a lot, yeah. Um, but so, then also, in a way, like pops a very intense balloon. It popped a very intense balloon. We had an amazing laugh out That's of it. Good. And look, it's not often that like you know, no one in my family is in the entertainment industry. So really, no one, no is. one. And so it it's gotta be. It's like the rare moment where like, oh, I guess John does have his challenges yeah. in his day to day. <laughs> Yeah, your cousin must have like seen a brand, like a brand new side she of your world. She saw a brand new side of my world yeah. that like I don't think she and she's very empathetic, but you can never expect, you know. You can never explain that to someone that unless aspect they of the job it. of like that. And again, I'm I, I walk around the streets, you know, unbothered most days. Sure, but you are But I have given up a certain amount of privacy and and never was it more apparent. Oh my I mean, what a, I mean, that almost feels I don't know your mom, but it almost feels like your mom sending this like hey. oh she would have found it hilarious yeah. oh my god she this was exactly 
the in, perfect moment for that to happen. Yeah, she would have found it funny, no question. That's but, one of the reasons I'm able to tell you. <laughs> no, but that's also yeah, an incredibly sad but beautiful moment that you're like, mm, the universe works in weird ways. It really does. It and really does. You'll take your laughs where you can get them, John. <laughs> um, and also the speech impediment will never ever leave. Mm. Um, okay. Someone wants to know the most memorable moment from filming Speechless. I mean, because you guys are still filming, right? Yeah, we're we're started season three. And, yeah, season three um, will have started by the time this podcast is out. Or, oh, okay. There's and, a little backlog of five weeks on Hulu, I believe. It's also, you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, you can there's, buy there's, episodes on YouTube. Oh, can you? Yeah. I didn't realize that. That's great. I did that this morning. <laughs> um, you were cramming. Uh-huh. Um, uh, <laughs> there's been a lot. Um, you know, we... Because you guys shoot in LA? We shoot in LA, but okay. we shot our season premiere in London. Really? Yeah, we went to London for our season premiere. The story being that we have to go ask Mini Driver's dad for money. And Mini Driver's dad was John Cleese, which was crazy. But, I mean, we we shut down Trafalgar Square right in front of the the National Portrait Gallery. (gasps) uh, No, National Gallery. National Uh Portrait Gallery is in D.C. Um, And... We had this like massive location permit to sh- to shoot right in the middle of London, and I felt like James Bond. You know, that's like they, they, nuts. And the crew was like, "Oh, we never shoot around here. No, we always we're off from the We always shoot down yeah. in Wimbledon. You know, we never shoot in central London like this." And um, it really was like what the where the Bourne movies shoot, like yeah. right in the middle in front of the fountains and everything, and you know, looky loos and everything. And it looks amazing. I just saw some footage. It looks incredible. And you're like, "Yeah, you got the most out of London." But that but was also, pretty awesome. What a crazy experience to be like, "Oh, we're just shutting down this giant." like portion of London for you guys to shoot this it's like shoot it's like shutting down a chunk of Times Square or Hollywood and Highland I mean it yeah. really is a massively foot trafficked area that we we you know but that's occupied also like, for three hours I think I would be incredibly riddled with anxiety uh like having to perform within the time restraints uh, or constraints of like this whole like everything being held up for this yeah it, it it's I, I made sure that I was like 110% off book going yeah. into it. I mean, I'm always pretty diligent about that, but I was like really like. We got to be on point We don't get for this, this right. We're in a position where we don't get this wrong because every take has to be usable because who knows. Yeah. And uh, so it was, but yeah, there was just like tons of like sightseers and then people recognized me from Big Bang, which is actually pretty big over in the UK. Oh yeah, that um, must be cool. It's like cool, the yeah. The appeal of all of it. It is cool, but yeah. there was also just a lot of like, you know, you know, people taking photos and right and behind stuff. the right behind the people who were paid to take my photo yeah. <laughs> for the show. <laughs> so that was a little intense, but um but yeah, it was it was great. And it's a fun cool. city anyway, yeah. It was really cool. That's super cool. Okay, someone wants to know what's the most inappropriate question you've been asked in interviews? I would say I would like a kind of expand this to like, what's the question that you're just sick of answering? Because I'm sure Big Bang and your whole history in entertainment. Look, I must... will continue to answer it politely. But sure. But what's the one that you like? It's the question about the speech impediment, whose idea it was. Oh, whose um, idea it was. Yeah, because it was it was. Um, oh, whether it was and, yours or a writer's. Whether I, I brought it to the audition or whether it was Got in the it. script. And the answer is neither. It was sprung on me in the audition. Oh, interesting. Uh, Chuck Lorre thought it might be interesting to give the guy a certain amount of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And he asked for Bill R's Prady. No, he asked, <laughs> no, they asked for something far more subtle. They asked for like sort of that Tom Brokaw liquid L thing. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. You're nodding. You know what I mean, right? Uh, and I was like, yeah, I can absolutely do that. That's subtle and understated. And instead I did this Elmer Fudd thing. <laughs> and we are literally 10 years later talking about it. <laughs> well, I won't ask you anything else about it. <laughs> it's fine. I will. I will. It's. It, I would prefer not to, but I will absolutely graciously continue to answer that question. Because you're a kind person. I, uh, I have my moments. I respect you very much. <laughs> Um, what's the best heckle you've ever heard? Someone wants to know. I'm sure you blocked this. I mean, have you guys ever had in Big Bang, like someone in the audience ever like have it, to be controlled? Do you want to get shot by the Warner Brothers cops? Hell no. <laughs> God, no. That is a controlled environment. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And also the people who get there because it's hard to get Respect tickets the for that taping. They want to be there. Yeah. yeah. No, I've never had, I've never had heckling at, uh, at a, I probably, I really, I, I haven't. We haven't done enough. I did a ton of improv, but it's for whatever reason, improv doesn't get a lot of hecklers. Or if I you got the mocked heck- one time doing stand up, I haven't done a ton of stand up. I was going to say, have you ever done stand up? I've done it maybe 
12 times, 13 times maybe. That's a, I've never, I'm terrified of it. Well, I did it because I was terrified. And I was okay. like, you know, there's-, there's Follow your fear. Follow your fear. There's people out there who like go into combat. I can handle standing up yeah. a brick wall <laughs> and telling jokes, you know? Fair assessment, yeah. yes. So it was, just, it was part of me trying to like kind of, you know, aversion therapy it. But, sure. Um, uh, you know what? It's funny. I, I don't remember being heckled, but I remember kind of bombing at, you know, you've driven past the Ha Ha Cafe on Lancashire. Yes. Okay. So it's, it's called which, the Ha Ha Cafe for one thing, which hilarious. Should let you know <laughs> it's a place for people that are funny. So I'm up there and my <laughs> wife and I were like daring each other right after we moved here to do to do stand up and we would, oh, really? we, would, we would go out and we would like put together five minutes and we had enough friends that we could get thrown on to like some sort of Tuesday night. So you'd thing. both go do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I remember bombing, but getting polite laughter from the man sitting down in front uh -huh. who was David Faustino from married with children. <laughs> and because that's what happens when you bomb in LA. You don't, you bomb in front of, someone you recognize <laughs> and i remember just being like not noticing until i was up on stage like it's like hey hi i'm john and like uh that's david faustino from Mary with children <laughs> uh, and he gave he he I, he was laughing very politely yeah. he was right up in front like he's so close that like the stage light is hitting him too you know yeah and um David, if you're listening to this, and I'm sure he's regular, a huge fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah uh, you were very gracious, and you probably don't remember it, or maybe you do. God, um, but um, but I do, and you were you were very gracious, and uh, thank you for being kind to me. I don't do stand. If you're wondering, no, I don't do stand up very often anymore. Wow, uh, thank you but for asking. What a heckle story. I mean, if you're going, it, it wasn't even a heckle story. It was just like this. It was just bombing in front of somebody I recognized. That's pretty. I mean, and also that he was sitting front row i mean he came there to find new talent i guess so <laughs> i guess he did yeah. well you're manifesting maybe you guys will work together in the future here's hoping i do in a heartbeat oh really oh hell yeah Why okay not? yeah well, we've reached the end of the podcast. Okay. This has been super, super fun. This has been great, yeah. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all your stories. Um, every guest that makes time for being on the podcast, uh, we try to create a special personalized fortune cookie for. So we wanted to give you um, the gift for giving us the gift of your time. It's a personalized fortune cookie just for you. I open it here. I take it. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. <laughs> This is fresh. This is a fresh fortune cookie. I mean, yep. If stale means fresh, then yep. <laughs> no, no, they're individually wrapped. They're fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The office you used to work at thought you were just taking a long vacation to find yourself and are still expecting you back. The temp at your old desk is confused and very tired. I bet. I bet. It's like oh, 20 wow. plus years. Yeah. Not so much a fortune. I, just hope, he sort went, of I hope he went full time. I hope he went full time. Because I hate to think of a guy sitting for 20 years without health benefits. <laughs> and God bless that janitor that had to take out that garbage full of shitty underwear. <laughs> um, Not full of there, unless somebody else did it. I just put my one. <laughs> the one of the day. Uh, John, thank you again so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Uh, where can people find you online? Where can they see anything that you're working on? What's coming up? Let Speechless people know. premieres um, October 5th, Friday, October 5th at 8.30. TGIF. TGIF. Thank God it's funny. Yay. Um, and um, I will be promoting the hell out of it on my various social media platforms where I am at John Ross Bowie at um, Twitter, Instagram, and occasionally Tumblr. <laughs> I mean, yeah, step with a sigh. I fully get it. That's the brand now. But thank what you. What am I, 19? Also, <laughs> please, for all of you that go out there and listen to Egghead, yeah. Music, please tweet at me where I can listen to it directly because I I gotta I gotta get informed. Get in there. And I gotta I I'm now the grassroots promoter for the second reunion. Oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart. <laughs> uh, we'll see you guys next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. Not too deep. Chris Helbig. Cafe Monster is shaking up the ready to drink coffee category with indulgent gourmet coffee that's only 190 calories. Available in vanilla, mocha, and salted caramel. With 150 milligrams of caffeine from coffee beans, B vitamins, and coffee fruit extract in every bottle, Cafe Monster offers a simplified energy blend that contains a third less sugar than the leading national brand. But you still get all the feel and flavor of your local coffee house. You just don't have to wait in line. And I got to tell you guys, these flavors are delicious. Try the mocha. 
Trust me, it tastes like chocolate milk. Delicious. Cafe Monster. Drink it down, shake it up, enjoy. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated, producer and directed by Jack Ferry. Producer and editor, Melissa D. Mons. Writing by Diane Kang. Production assistance by Adriana Montiagudo. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. And an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. Music.